0: For a long time we've been looking at the same series and we're changing uh, horses a little bit, changing uh, gears maybe a little bit, because we're going to go to a new series. We're calling it The Power Aid, Life with an Advantage. Do you ever wake up some morning and you feel like something's missing? You You know, you wake up uh, I remember when I was younger, I could wake up and I would put my glasses on, oh, you know, an hour or so after I woke up. Now I wake up and the first thing I'm trying to do is find out where my glasses are. Because something's missing. I can't see clearly without my glasses. I hate that. I hate it when, when it, it just feels like something's missing. For the last two weeks we've been traveling, we, we drove to South Dakota and back. We put in on about 3,300 miles of driving over the last two weeks. We went to, to help Kathy's mom. She's 91, and she's in an apartment, and we went to, to help get her house ready to sell. And, and so we were, we were busy, and you're in a different place, and, and you're, you're not at your home. You're not where your stuff is. And I told my wife, that's why, you know, when all of those things are going like that, I didn't shave for about two weeks. Somebody saw me yesterday, and they go, ooh. And I was back where I could find my razor. That was just an excuse. I just didn't, I hate to shave. But something's missing. Some time ago uh, when we were at another church, uh, a, a wonderful person who has great skill made a pie one time and gave it to us and it was it it looked gorgeous you know sometimes you see pies and the crust is not quite there this one was all there it was just perfect it it looked absolutely gorgeous and it was I don't remember it was a fruit pie and I don't remember which fruit it was forgive me for not doing that but when we tasted it we realized they had left out the sugar in the pie and it wasn't one of those canned fruit pies I mean it needed sugar it desperately needed sugar and it was like whoa wow Is your life like that sometimes? Maybe the reason you can't put your finger on what's missing in your life, it's not something, it's someone. We've been singing about your name, the name of Jesus Christ, and we talk all the time about God the Father, and we talk about God the Son. We've spent weeks and months going through series looking at, at who God the Father is and who God the Son is, but the one person of the Trinity that we rarely talk about is God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is co-equal, he's co-existent, he's co-eternal with the Father. In Genesis 1-1 it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And in the second verse it says, and the Spirit of God was over the waters. It was hovering over the deep, it says. So God, the Holy Spirit, from the very beginning of time was there in creation. and, And I want to spend some weeks looking at the power aid. Now there's a lot of crazy teaching about the Holy Spirit. And, and I was challenged by a man by the name of Francis Chan to think of it this way. What if you were like Tom Hanks? You remember the movie Cast Away where Tom Hanks is four years by himself? I mean, he's, he's this guy that's always on a schedule, and all of a sudden all the schedule is thrown away. And you remember who his best friend on the island was? Wilson, a, a volleyball. You know, there was a bloody handprint on it. I mean, it was a, a, Tom Hanks had some serious problems there, but we don't want to go into that. What if you were on a remote island, and instead of Wilson, you had this, you had the Bible? And what if for four years, instead of having this conversation with Wilson, if you had a conversation with God, what if you read the New Testament repeatedly because that's all you had to do, and then you came back to America, and you looked at Christians, and you looked at the church, would what you have read in the New Testament about the early church and about early Christians, would that be reflected in what you see in the lives of the Christians that you rub shoulders with? Would our church look anything like what you just read? I I became just overwhelmed by this sense that there has been, as Francis Chan uh, Chan has written in a book called The Forgotten God, that there's been one person of the Trinity that's overlooked and we're going to talk about why that is. But But I think that we need to understand that when Jesus got ready to leave, He said, listen, I know that you're going to need some help. Look what it says in John chapter uh, 16, verse 7. Look at what the verse says here. It says, but I tell you the truth, Jesus is speaking, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage. We're talking about life with an advantage. It is to your advantage that I go away, that Jesus left, he says. For if I do not go away, the helper shall not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. That's a New American Standard Version. It's to your advantage, he says, for me to go, for Jesus to go. How could that possibly be? Wouldn't you love to have Jesus living side by side with you? Wouldn't you love to be able to listen to his teaching and to watch his miracles? And you say, Of course I would. I've got news for you. You've got something better. It's called the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit, resides within you. Do you need an advantage? 1965 there was a there was a football coach in florida the university of florida and he realized that his football players during the preseason were having a horrible time now i don't know if you've ever been in florida in august i mean that's you you don't have to preach hard about hell because you've been there if you've been in florida in august it's terrible humidity is high temperatures high i love it when it's it's co-95 95 degrees 95 percent humidity and then it rains in the afternoon so then it's even soggier if possible it's horrible I mean, give me 104, okay, maybe not. I was trying to make an argument for our weather, it just, it isn't working today for me. But this University of Florida coach said, we need some help. And he went to some medical researchers that were there at the University of Florida, and he said, uh, I need some help because our, our players are literally dropping like flies. And so he went to these four guys, uh, Robert K. Dana Shires, uh, Harry James Free, and Alejandro de C- C- Quesada. And he said, we need some help. And so they put together a mixture of water, sodium, sugar, potassium, phosphate, and lemon juice. And he be- they began to, to just inundate these players with this solution that they had put together, these things. And by the end of the season, they were outscoring their opponents dramatically. At the end of uh, 1967, they went to the Orange Bowl, the first time they'd ever gone to the Orange Bowl. And they played Georgia Tech And the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets coach said afterwards, uh, Bud Carson, the reason we lost is we didn't have their drink. That made the difference. And these researchers called this drink Gatorade because it's the Florida Gators. When Coca-Cola realized that everybody was drinking it, Coca-Cola did what Coca-Cola always does. They tried to buy Gatorade. They could not do that. Gatorade decided that they were not going to do that. They sold to uh, another company instead. And so Coca-Cola made their alternative called Powerade. You know what's in Powerade? Exactly what's in Gatorade with a little different flavor. Same things. And I'm telling you that today you have the the potential, you have the possibility of having something that's better than Gatorade or Powerade. It's called God-Aid. The power aid of the Holy Spirit. And it's not uh, pre-processed. It's not pre-packaged. It's not sold in any stores. It's available. He indwells. He empowers and He directs us. That's where we're going with this. If you have your Bible, John chapter 14. Turn to John chapter 14. We're we're going to look at verses uh, 8 through 11. We're going to look at two things. Number one, here's the first question. Why don't we experience greater transformation? Why don't we experience a greater transformation in our life? John chapter 14, verse 8. It, Jesus has, has been in the upper room, just to get, set the, the scene for you. He's been in the upper room. He's had this wonderful time of communion with the guys. And then he tells them, don't be afraid. I'm going to go. And if I go, I'll come back. And we know John 14, it's such a, a great passage that we use at funerals all the time. I almost hate that we use it at funerals because it doesn't become what it should be. A, a, such a life, day-to-day life verse for us. But he's done all this. So I'm the way, the truth, the life. And then look at what happens in verse 8. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and that the Father is in me, the words I say to you are not just my own, rather it is the Father living in me who is doing this work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. Let's stop there for just a minute. Why don't we expect, uh, experience a better, uh, bigger or greater transformation? I think there are two reasons. Number one, we function in our own strength. We function in our own capacity, with our abilities, with our income, with our, with our resources. The truth is, for most Christians, we feel perfectly capable of living every day without the power aid, without the Holy Spirit indwelling us. Listen to me, church. We have a problem. So much of what we do is in our own power. And God says... Why would you leave out the advantage that I've given to you? Why would you live apart from me? Why would you try to do this in your own strength? That's what Philip was saying. Lord, just show us the Father. And Jesus says, Philip, Philip, do you not get it? Anytime you see me, you see the Father. You see the Holy Spirit, who he's going to introduce in just a moment. But he says, don't you understand? You don't get one part of the Trinity without all of the Trinity. And I want to indwell you. I want to empower you. I want to strengthen you and guide you. And Philip didn't get it. And the truth is, for most of us, we don't either. We can laugh at Philip and we say, Oh, Philip, he blew it. We live every day that way. Oh, what can I do? How do you know that, Pastor? If you fail, what do you say? Well, I'm doing the best I can. Have you ever? those words ever come out of your mouth? I'm doing the best I can. We were navigating all kinds of highways and two lanes and and, uh, praise the Lord. You know what? We found out half of the roads in America are under construction, or at least half of the ones we were driving on. And every one of them has a sign saying, this is your incentive money at at work. And I'm saying, give me less incentive and more uh, highway that's not under construction. I'm doing the best I can, and, and, and that's what I would say sometimes to Kathy. Sometimes I would say to the Garmin woman who was saying, turn left, turn left, turn left. I'm saying, I'm doing the best I can. I can't turn left. They've got it blocked off again. I'm doing the best I can. Or, or here's another one. Nobody's perfect. God understands. Nobody's perfect. God understands, and so it's okay if I blow it this time. And the Lord says, no, I know you're not perfect, but I've given you an edge, an advantage, and you're not using that. There's a hymn, uh, He Giveth More Grace. It's it's hymn number 415, and and I, I love this hymn in a lot of ways, but the last verse says, When we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed ere the day is half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's forgiving has only begun." That's a great great verse except for one thing. It insinuates in some way that we have to deplete all of our resources before God kicks in. I don't think that's the truth. I don't think that He wants us to wait until we've exhausted our store of endurance or our strength has failed. I think He wants us to understand every day when you wake up, you can have the power of God evident, existent in your life. Our Father has so much for us. Look at what it says in 2 Chronicles 16.9. In in 2 Chronicles 16.9, you see, we have the wrong impression. We think, well, when we're strong, God's going to enable us. It says, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those who are powerful, who are mighty, who are warriors. Is that what it says? No. It says, the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. In the last hour, during Sunday school time, for the adults that that came during that 9 o'clock time we had an incredible opportunity to listen to a woman who went on a mission trip in 2000. She thought she was going to go one place and then another place and she ended up in Nepal and and she had the Lord lay something as a burden on her heart and all of a sudden today there are 64 children in Nepal and Kenya that are being taken care of because one woman said, Lord, I'm not strong but I'll go. One woman And you say, oh, well, I could never do that. No, you probably couldn't, but what could the Holy Spirit do? Listen to me, church. I'm serious about this. We have never, ever lived up to the capacity, to the capability of what the Holy Spirit could do in us if we would ever turn it over to Him. We function in our own strength. Charles Stanley says it this way in a a little book called The Wonderful Spirit-Filled Life. I'm concerned. I'm concerned about the Christian couples whose marriages are filled with everything but the Holy Spirit. I'm concerned about relationships where there is little or no peace, joy, and love. I'm concerned about relationships in which both parties have begun looking elsewhere for the satisfaction they assumed would come in that marriage of their dreams. Charles Stanley goes on. I'm concerned about their children. Our children draw their conclusions about the viability of the Christian life from our experience. If the Christian life doesn't work for mom and dad, why bother, they say. Or worse, if it doesn't work for mom and dad, but they try to convince others at church that it is really working, you can really forget it as far as they're concerned. This is what Charles Stanley concludes. If the Christian life is simply a matter of doing our best, there was no need for God to send the Holy Spirit to help us. Does that hit? Does that ring a bell? Does that hit somewhere in your heart? Does that register somewhere? We function in our own strength. Number two is we ignore the obvious. The other reason that there's not a greater transformation is we are ignoring the obvious. Thomas may have doubted Philip was just clueless. Doubting Thomas, clueless Philip. I guess we could have a a new nickname for him. Show us Jesus repeatedly taught, uh, I and the Father are one. Look at John chapter 12, verse 45. Look at what it says. Jesus is speaking. He says, when he looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. He's talking to the disciples right before they go to the upper room. At the end of three years, he's saying it again. John 80 says it. And and in fact, there are seven times where Jesus uses the great I am passages in just the book of John. And seven times he's trying to show is the parallel between the Father and the Son, that they are one. He says, when He looks at me, He sees the one who sent me. More than, than we admit. When I mentioned earlier that I had shaved uh, after not having shaved for a couple of weeks, I was in a real quandary, because see, if I don't shave, I look like my brother Tom, and that's not a really good thing for me. i would seen Tom, and I'm thinking boy, I really don't want to look like him. And when I do shave, I look like my dad. So, I mean, I you know, and I didn't know my name until I was 12 because I was one of six kids and mom just started at the top and went Ralph, Tom, Jim, George and, and went down the list. So I didn't know my name for sure until I was 12 because my mom would call me any name under the book and not get the right name half the time. But the Lord says it's not just that kind of looking the same. There's an obvious An obvious connection that the Lord wants to have, and we don't get it. We ignore the obvious. Why? Why do we do that? I think there are two reasons. Number one is low expectations. We ignore the obvious because we have low expectations. We don't believe that God is really going to transform us. C.S. Lewis wrote in a book called Mere Christianity, one of my favorite books of all time, he says, Mere improvement is not God's redemption. Did you get that? Mere improvement is not God's redemption. Although we did, uh, though all, redemption always improves people, even here and now, and redemption will, in the end, improve them to a degree we cannot yet imagine. So God's redeeming us is not just improvement, but it will improve us beyond what we can imagine. But he goes on, God became man to turn us creatures into sons. Not simply to produce better men of the old kind, but to produce a whole new man. And and let me stop for a second. Remember where Paul is writing in Corinthians, he says, Behold, all things are become new. The old is gone, the new has become. We are a new creation. We're not just an improved lot. If we are, then the Holy Spirit's power has not really done the work that he wants us to do. I go on. C.S. Lewis says, It's not like teaching a horse to jump better and better. Instead, it is like turning a horse into a winged creature. He's referring to Pegasus. The mythical horse that had the wings. Can you imagine a horse that's, that's, that's learning to jump and all of a sudden it has wings and he says, listen, God didn't come to make us so we could jump a couple of fences a little bit better. He came to, to transform us into totally different creations to do something that we could never imagine. Uh, I think it's, that's one of the reasons we have low expectations. We don't expect to be a pegasus. And here's the other part. We're afraid of the unknown. We're afraid of what that what might look like. What if we were changed into God's sons? What if the Holy Spirit became, began to empower us? What if, oh this is scary, what if we did what Diane did and, and we followed the Lord's leading and, and all of a sudden we had 64 kids that, that were dependent on us to, to raise the funds, except they're not dependent on Diane. Those 64 kids are dependent on God himself to use someone like Diane to care for them. We're, we're terrified of that. There's a movie, National Treasure 2. We were at uh, the Black Hills and we were looking at, the, uh, at Mount Rushmore. That's, that's a, a fantastic thing to see what's been carved out of the rock. And in National Treasure 2, this movie, Nicolas Cage comes and I think he finds the secret to everything is on the back side of Mount Rushmore. And in spite of what you might think, if you go to the back of Mount Rushmore, it's not the people's behinds that are, that are on the back of the mountain. It's just the faces on the front. If you've never been to the Black Hills, you'll, you'll understand that joke. But, but Nicolas Cage comes up and he realizes that there's something that says, stick your hand in here and there's the, this big hole in the rock and everybody says, I'm not sticking my hand in there. And, 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 and finally Nicolas Cage, he sticks his hand in and, and he goes in and there's all these kinds of cobwebs and nastiness and he sticks his hand in and he makes his face and goes, ah! and they all jump and he says, just kidding. We're afraid if we finally take hold of what God has called us to do, That it might be painful. We're afraid. We ignore the obvious. Why don't we experience greater transformation? Because we function in our own strength and we ignore what God has obviously given us. So what advantage do we need? Here's the second part of this. What advantage do we need? John chapter 14, verses 12 through 26. I want to finish up this passage. We're going to talk a lot more about who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. But look at this in verse 12. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. Wait a second. Jesus is talking... He says, "Anyone who has faith in me will be doing what I've been. What's Jesus been doing for three years? Oh, he's been feeding the the, the five thousand with five loaves and two fishes. He's he's fed another, uh, fed another four thousand with with another little luncheon, and then he's walked on the water and he's and he's calmed the waves and the and the seas and the winds with a, with a word. He he brought Lazarus back from the dead. Is that what he means? Well, let's go on. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has." has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. You say, wait a second. What are you talking about, Pastor? Keep going. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father and He will give you another counselor. The paraclete, the one who comes alongside. Another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you. And get this next phrase. And will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Look at verse 25. I want to skip down there. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, that same word again, it's the para, the, the alongside, the parallel, the alongside, the, the, the Counselor, the one who comes alongside you. The Counselor, the one who comes alongside the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. What do we need to do? What advantage do we need? Number one, we need to tap into the Holy Spirit's power. We need to tap into the Holy Spirit's power. What does that mean? It means to release control. If you're going to tap into the one power, you have to to unhook from the the original power source. That's yourself. Acts 1.8, when Jesus said to the disciples, the early disciples, He says, I want you to go into Jerusalem. I want you to go to the upper room and you're you're going to do what? You're going to receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, Romans 15:13, uh, look at what it says. Look at what Romans 15:13 says, "May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow what? With hope by the power of the Holy Spirit." In Francis Chan's little book uh, on the Holy Spirit, he he says this, and, and I'm going to shock some people right now, okay? So just get ready. You can start making notes right now on the back of a response card to get me. Some of you would like it if I said we were going to find a healthy balance between unhealthy extremes. That is not what we're going to do. When we are referring to God, balance is a huge mistake. God is not just one thing we add to the mix we call life. He wants an invitation from us to permeate everything and every part of us. In the same way, seeking a healthy balance of the Holy Spirit assumes that there are some who have too much Holy Spirit and others who have too little. You ever known somebody who has too much Holy Spirit? Listen to what he says. I have yet to meet anyone with too much Holy Spirit. Granted, I've met many who talk about him too much, or in the wrong way, biblically, but none who are actually overfilled with the very presence of God. Is it possible to get enough or even too much of God? Is there a point when a person can be satisfied with the amount of intimacy, knowledge, and power of God he or she experiences? I don't see how there can be. Because doesn't every encounter with God only cause us to thirst for him more? you get that I want to say that again doesn't every encounter with God only cause us to thirst for him more on our way back from South Dakota we stopped in Yellowstone National Park and and we saw herds of elk and and buffalo and we saw several uh, individual times we saw a moose here or there and, and we saw these wild animals, we saw the birds, and we, saw the, we, saw, we, we would wake up in the morning in, in the, at the base of the Grand Tetons. We, we stayed in a ski resort at the, the ba- in Teton Village and, at the base of the Grand Tetons, and you could ski down in the winter, you could ski down into your room. Praise God. We're suffering for Jesus. The reason we stayed there is Priceline. Because in the summer, that's not exactly where people want to be. But it was gorgeous. And in the morning when you wake up and you would look at the the black hills, or you would look at the mountains, or you would look at the lakes, or you would look at the animals, you would have this experience of what God created, even in its marred image. And you wonder what it would have been like before sin, before the fall. And it made me thirsty for more. Let me be clear, he says, this is not a call for misinformed extremism but an acknowledgement that as believers we can never be done with God. He is infinite. We are finite. There will always be more of His character to discover, more of His love to experience, and more of His power to use for His purposes. He says he was praying that they may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't think we get it. I think we're clueless as to what kind of power we're talking about. You know, it was interesting because yesterday I, when we got back and we had some yard work to do and some other things, I went out and, and our roses were looking really nice. If you like dried roses on stem, that, that's really a nice thing. And we had, I noticed there were a couple of caterpillars that were, that were coming up there and, and they were still in the caterpillar, caterpillar stage. You know, that's got to be fun. You think about that. What does a caterpillar think? I mean, it's inching along the dirt, and it's hot, and it's 104, and it's going up the side of a rose, and it's already dried out, and there's nothing there to eat, and it goes back down looking for other leaves. And, and then finally, one day, the caterpillar takes a long nap in, you know, in, in a sleeping bag called a cocoon, and, and it takes this long extended nap, and it wakes up, and it's not inching along anymore. It's, it's got these beautiful wings, and it's flying And the Lord says, you are the caterpillars and I want to make you into the butterfly and and you don't get what happens when I come into your life. You'll never get that unless we tap into Him until we release control. When believers live in the power of the Holy Spirit, the evidence in their lives is supernatural. The church cannot help but be different. The world cannot help but take notice. I want to confess something to you. I'm tired of talking about the God's power. I'm I'm tired of of talking about what the Lord could do in this church. I want to see what God can do, not what I can do. What you can do. I long to see God's power evident in my life, to, for God to move through me, to move through Crosspoint. Did you notice Jesus said you're going to do greater things? I, I mean, I, I just said that He raised Lazarus from the dead. Hey, here's a news flash Lazarus is not still walking around. Lazarus died. You know, he fed the 5,000, five loaves and two fishes. And, And you remember what happened the day after that? The people are looking for him again. Why? Because lunchtime is there and they're hungry again. All of the food that God gave them that day, it dissipated in their stomach and they wanted more. And he calmed the wind and the waves. But I've got news for you. We found all the wind. It's still there in South Dakota. It's still there as you're, as you're coming across the plains. And, and the wind is still blowing. All of these things were temporary. But on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people eternally were changed from, from darkness into light. From death to life. And God says you can do something that's eternal. Eternal. Do you remember the time when the quadriplegic is let down in front of Jesus and, and his four friends brought him and they, they, they take off the roof and they bring him down? Do you remember what Jesus said to him? He says, listen, I know that you can't move. Why don't you get up? Why don't you start moving your hands and your feet? And g-. Is that what he says? No, he says, because of their faith, as he looks at them, because of your faith, your sins are forgiven. And all the people went, big deal. Big deal. His sins are forgiven. So what? You see, physically, he was a quadriplegic. And they thought the greatest miracle would be to heal his body. And the greatest miracle was to heal his heart, his soul, his spirit. To bring him as a child of God. We don't get it. We do not get it. And because of that, we hang on to this control because we don't want to let God have control of our lives. Number two, we we need the Holy Spirit in our prayer. He says you can ask for anything. And what do we need to do? We need to ask for help. What's your action on this? The first action is we have to release control. The second one is we have to ask for help. He says in verse 13, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. Again, don't forget that last part of that, because it's all about God's glory, not your glory. This is not, oh God, I need a, a Mercedes Benz. My friends, they all drive Porsche. Oh, that's Janice Joplin, sorry. You, you don't know that song? Oh Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? My friends, they all drive Porsches. I have to make amends. I'm tired and I'm helpless. No help from my friends. Oh Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? You didn't know your pastor knew Janice Joplin, did you? Some of you went, okay, he's down a couple more pegs not what we're talking about we're asking god to glorify himself through answering our prayers it's not a magic formula did you notice it says ask in my name it's not a magic formula in my name i and there's two different ways i guess of looking at this one of them is this uh, what we noticed is we went on two week vacation and we wrote run we, we wrote one check the whole time Did you know that you do not have to have a checkbook anymore with a debit card? I mean, and what I love is the fact that if you just have a debit card, you don't ever write those things down. You just keep spending. I mean, it's awesome. Okay, actually, they will bounce those things occasionally if you get to that point. But we wrote one check. But in the old days, when you wrote, in my name, you made the check out to someone, and they honored that because of the name on the bottom of the check. Now, in my name means we can spend tens of dollars. In Bill Gates' names, it means you can spend billions of dollars. Which one would you rather have at the bottom of the check if it's presented to you? I'd much rather have Bill Gates. i got news for you. And The Lord says, the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the one who has all the wealth of the universe, He says, I've written you a check called the Holy Spirit. The other way of looking at it, I guess, is from time to time at the church, we have different accounts and and we'll go in and they will say, do you have a PO? Do you have a purchase order? And if you have a purchase order, who signed that? We don't buy anything at the church without having a purchase order. And Donna will come to me from time to time. She says, I've got this bill and I don't have a purchase order. And I'll say, I'm sorry, I'll make one out because it's usually me that forgets to do it. But we don't pay any bills until the purchase order because it's in my name. We're to pray for God's purpose to be completed. And we need help. Look at what it says in Romans 8.26. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. Did you, did you get that? We pray the wrong way a lot of times. Because of our ignorance. Because we are ignoring the obvious. We do not pray what we, know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us. With groans that words cannot express. Have you ever had? Have you ever communicated with groans that words cannot express? Have have you ever done that? One of the things that I love about this time of year is the fresh corn comes in. How many of you love fresh corn on the cob? Is that is that awesome? Last night we suffered for Jesus again. We, I, I lit the grill and we, we, put some, we took some corn and we put it on the grill. You know, you, you grill it so it's nice and toasty and it's on the grill and it's so... And when, you know, it, was, it was embarrassing because Kathy and I are eating this corn and we're squirting juice everywhere. I, you know, we're squirting at each other and we're having this battle. And, and we had decided we were just going to eat one piece of corn on the cob a piece and we had another one for the, you know, for leftover. <laughs> that ain't happening. <laughs> it's all gone. And Kathy said to me, "Do you like it?" And with groans that could not be uttered. Oh oh, Bill Murray in, the, in that movie, every bite that he takes. "Oh, that's oh, awesome. Oh. The Lord says, "I love you so much, with groans that cannot even be uttered. I'm, I'm communicating with the Father, through the Holy Spirit for you. In those days that you don't know how to pray, you don't know what to pray for in your body because of what's happening there, in your work, in your children, whatever it is, the Holy Spirit says, I love you so much and it's such a guttural thing that you can't even understand the groans that I use to express the, and communicate to the Father. Number three, we need to recognize the Holy Spirit's presence. We need to recognize that it's there whether you get it or not. And how do you do that? Be still. Sometimes you're so busy. Sometimes it's so noisy, sometimes we have so much going on. When you 're driving through 3,300 miles like we did, one of the things that I love to do is I, I have books on tape, uh, you know John Grisham or some of the other books, and, and it 's kind of neat. and then we have music going on, we have iPods, and we were switching out and doing all this stuff, and you had wires going everywhere, and it was an awesome time. But there were times that Kathy and I would look at each other and we'd say, "Can we just turn everything off?" Can we just look? Can we just be still and know that he is God as it says in Psalm Psalm 46:10. Be still and know that I'm God. Jesus said the Holy Spirit is with us in verse 17, but it also says the Holy Spirit will be in you. When did that happen? The day of Pentecost. It says that there was uh, like tongues of fire that came on the disciples. And from that time on, the Holy Spirit became a permanent existence. And in verse 16, he says, "...He will be with you forever." The Holy Spirit will be with you forever. It's one of the reasons that I believe that the church will be taken out during the tribulation period because it says the Holy Spirit is taken out of the earth. And I believe that's one of the strongest rationalities why there will be a rapture, will be taken out during the tribulation because the Holy Spirit's withdrawn. If the Holy Spirit's withdrawn, I'm not here because He says He's going to be with me forever we need the holy spirit and we need his presence and we don't get it 1 Corinthians 6:19 says do you not know that your body is a temple of the holy spirit who is in you whom you've received of god do you, did you did you experience his presence this morning you know we came and, and and we have great music a lot of times i think it's great music i love the songs i love when i survey the wonders of the cross See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did ever such love and sorrow meet where thorns ex- express? You understand the music? Do you ever have times when you come and you think, wow, we, you know, we had Preston on the drums, we had all these people singing, and the choir was singing, and you were singing, and you are clapping your hands, and you thought, great service! And it could be hymns, or it could be praise music, it could be, I, we went to Kadoka, South Dakota, and they had closed down Main Street, and three of the churches got together, and they had a tent, and we had church on Main Street in Kadoka, South Dakota. I want to try it in Redding. You yeah, I'd have to get three churches that would say we'd do it together first. But it was an awesome time, and the music was amazing. But that's not what made it such a great time for me because I sense the holy spirit's presence and god moving did the time together at church move us to worship or did we just come as a crowd did you participate did you did you say something to the lord this morning in the worship time in in the music time did did you do that does your daily worship do that for you is there a time between now and next sunday morning when something's going to to tickle that soul in you, and you're going to say, God, yes, I understand. I'm so sorry. Do you sense His presence with you wherever you go? We don't get it. Acts chapter uh, 4. Peter and, and John come in and they says when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Can I say that, that the, the magistrates of people who did that, they didn't get it quite right? Yeah, Peter and John had been with Jesus. They'd been with Jesus before and it didn't have that kind of effect on them. But the Holy Spirit came into their life and they sensed the presence and they were still enough to know God was in them and it changed the way people looked at them. And all of a sudden, these unschooled, ordinary people, people began to say, God is in them. God is in them. We need to recognize the Holy Spirit's presence. And here's the last one. We need the Holy Spirit's practicum practicum is a work experience as a part of an academic course according to encarta a practicum it's it's a work experience it's a it's it's the experience part of it it's not just learning the theory it's putting it into practice we need the holy spirit's practicum we need to get in training we need to get in training the holy spirit will train us how long does it take vince the thursday before we left vince uh, was eating breakfast with us at, at a at Mavericks, and we were sitting there, and Vince said, how long did it take you to train for that hundred mile bike ride that you did? And I said, well, 10 weeks of actual training, but I, about three years of riding the bike, of, of kind of getting up to the point where I could do the 10 weeks of training, but I really needed longer than that. How long has the Holy Spirit been training you? Where are you in the practicum? Where are you in the study with, with the Lord? Where are you in your walk with the Lord? 1 Corinthians 2.10, look at what it says. But God has revealed it to us, how? By His Spirit. I want to stop there for just a second. God has revealed what? You know the verse we quote all the time, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man that which God has prepared for us. We use that all the time. Well, I don't know what heaven's going to be like. Eye is not seen, ear is not heard. It's never entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for us. And this is the next verse. But God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. And Paul at times writes to churches and he says, Do you not understand something? Do you not get the fact? That you're still little babies and you're still doing wah, wah, wah and I need my bottle because you haven't gotten to the deep things of God because you've not tapped into the Holy Spirit. And you're not into the practicum. You're not in training. Powerade. Water and sugar and salt and a couple of other electrolytes. A little flavoring. I'm sure it's not even really... yeah. There's no lemon or lime listed in this lemon-lime drink. Shock. Power aid of the Holy Spirit indwelling us, empowering us. You say, well, Pastor, you just don't understand my circumstances. If God had given me better circumstances, then the Holy Spirit could work through me more. If God had just changed my life in a different way than the Holy Spirit could work. But you just don't understand where I'm coming from. If, you know, if, if I could line up some other things, then it would be okay. You know the person that I've seen that's most used by the Holy Spirit, probably of anyone in my life that I have met and talked with just briefly and, and seen a couple of times? I saw her again. Kathy and I, last fall, went to a, a pastor's conference in Nashville. And one day... We didn't know that it was going to happen for sure, but one day they wheeled out this wheelchair and Johnny Erickson Tata was there. She's paralyzed from the neck down at age 17 and and she's written all these books. She has, I, I hear now, 17 different albums out. She's got all these books. She's done this wheelchairs around the world. She's done all these other things, but you know what? That was not what impressed me about Johnny that day, and, and her, what she had to say was awesome. I mean, it was deep. It was one of the, they had all these theologians, and they had these pastors, and Johnny got up, and I thought she blew them all out of the water with how deep she was about what the Lord's done in her life, about pain, and anguish, and And I don't know if you've just read, but Johnny Erickson has breast cancer. She's already got all this other stuff. And and you know what she said? Praise the Lord. I've been of help to some other people who've had cancer, and now I can experience more of what it's like so I can be more of a testimony to them. Where does this woman get that? Through the Holy Spirit. After Johnny was done, they, you know, she has this big entourage, and they were wheeling her out, and as they were wheeling her out, I, she noticed somebody, and it was just as she went by, she, she has limited use of one arm, and she was like, she flopped this one arm, and caught herself on something, and wheeled the wheelchair in a circle, and, and the person who was pushing it was like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? And she said, stop, and she pointed with her head, she said, you see that woman? And there's a woman in a wheelchair in the front, she said, I need to talk to her. I'm back in the crowd. I don't get to hear what she's saying. But she stops and she comes alongside this woman. And, and she's got, she has to use her shoulders just to, to move her arm. And, and you can see her trying to do something with her shoulder. And finally, she flops her arm and gets it so that it's around this woman. And I heard this. It'll get better. It'll get better. Let's pray. And she prayed for that woman... And you could see this circle of people as they listened to Johnny Erickson pray for this woman and the circle just went back and tears began to flow down the people who were the closest who could hear it. And it was just like somebody had dropped a rock in a lake and you could see the ripples move back and there was this hush that came over the whole group because something holy happened because the Holy Spirit was dealing one woman to another woman two broken bodies in a wheelchair. Don't you ever tell me if your circumstances were different, God could use you in a more powerful way. Because you can be paralyzed from the neck down. And the Holy Spirit power can come on you and use you in ways that you cannot imagine. And you might not ever be able to lift a hand. But you will lift a heart to minister to someone else. Let's pray. Father, thank you. For what you've given us is so far beyond what we can imagine. And Father, forgive us because we have spent so much time, so many hours, trying to live in our own little power to do it with our own resources. Father, we need You. We need Your power in our personal lives. We need Your, allow, your, your power in our... In our families, we need Your power. In this church, we need You. And You've offered it freely. And we've ignored it. And we've turned our back. Father, may we be willing today to give all to You. May Your Holy Spirit fill us. Move us. Cleanse us. Purify us. Empower us. To be the people you designed us to be. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.